Good evening. Welcome to the City Council Study Session for Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. Um, Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the minutes of September 26th, 2023 and September 27th, 2023 special study session and the minutes of October 3rd, 2023 regular council meeting minutes. Second. Uh, any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Before I turn it over to TJ Blakeman um, for our presentation, I just uh, want to make note that uh, Council Member Deputy Mayor Kyles um, had a family emergency. He was here and he had to leave suddenly. So um, that's what's going on with him. TJ. Good evening, Council. <laughs> Uh, we are excited to bring to you um, a new economic development policy draft. This document has been needed to, we have needed to update this for some time, and now that we're once again fully staffed, and I think through the pandemic, we can finally take a breath and long enough to think proactively about the city's economic development strategy. I'm excited to be sitting next to Dan Sapphire, our new associate planner, who's been working with me hand-in-hand uh, -hand to craft these draft policies, and tonight is his first council meeting, so send the tough questions to Dan. Uh, Dan studied economics and geography in college. He interned with the Arkansas Economic Development Institute and served as an analyst planner for the MTD for the past three years, so he knows the community well. Our goal tonight is to share the draft policy statements and give you examples of the work we have done or are doing or could do around each of these areas to give you context for the policy statements. Ultimately, we seek your feedback, fully understanding that you are undertaking your own goal setting. We hope this, that a version of this document is adopted as a council policy and used for years to come as we craft new programs and partnerships to further our economic development goals. And with that, I will turn it over to Dan to walk you through some background and our first goal area. Right. Thanks, TJ. Yeah, so as TJ mentioned, this update is not really coming out of the blue. We've been working with the same economic development strategic plan adopted in 2012. City Council had study sessions in 2017 and in 2019 that reviewed all of the city's economic development activities and at the conclusion of both study sessions um, directed staff to update the strategic plan. So this is in response to that. Further current council goal, so 20, 2021 to 2023 council goal is to update the economic development strategic plan. Uh, and council in May approved the current economic development programs budget, which allocated $500,000 in one-time funding to revamp the small business incentive program and fund, help fund uh, Justine Peterson in our community, which helps provide microloans uh, and helps build credit for our residents. So kind of as we look to revamp programs and implement new ones, this policy guide will help our decision making and, and help council follow a kind of cohesive strategy. Is it doing it? No. So in writing this document, uh, TJ and I reviewed the Champagne Tomorrow 2021 Comprehensive Plan, which is 
The city's land use plan, which is primarily enacted through the zoning ordinance. However, economic development is an important tool to ensure there's sufficient funding for that land use and can help promote kind of infill development and strategic areas that the land use plan dictates. We also reviewed the economic development strategic plan uh, to kind of build on a lot of the strengths that that plan has. TJ and Bruce, our planning director, also interact and communicate daily with developers and business owners and agency partners like it's City of Champaign and I think uh, Champaign County Economic Development Corporation is present here tonight and have taken their input into, into crafting this plan as well. We also reviewed previous development agreements with uh, Kraft Heinz, with Carriage Center, Bristol Park, for example, to look through the implicit policies and philosophies that were in those agreements and make them a little more explicit in this policy document. I'll do it. Yeah, there you Thank go. you. Mm -hmm. So the policy structure around five visions, and they're listed here over this presentation. We'll go through all of these visions and the supporting principles within them. The first is for a diverse and resilient economy. Essentially, how can we make Champaign a place that can resist economic recessions and recover from them, be it a global pandemic or generative AI uh, leading to changing jobs? Second, thriving and growing local businesses, uh, supporting our local business owners who have a large stake in the local economy and help recirculate the wealth they generate locally. The third is focusing on infrastructure investment, how to make it fiscally sustainable over time and follow kind of the land use set forth in the comprehensive plan. The fourth is a welcoming community and it focuses on residential happiness, recognizing that retaining our current residents and attracting new ones is vital to bringing businesses to our community and ensuring that ones here succeed. And the fifth is a competitive advantage. This is considering what makes Champaign unique and how can we leverage regional partnerships to attract federal and state funding as well as outside private investment. So we'll start with the first vision, a diverse and resilient economy. The vision statement is up here, uh, along with its guiding principles below. You can see that the first two guiding principles focus a little bit on businesses and the last two focus more on our residents and on our workforce. Um, so the idea being that residents should be able to respond to economic stressors and that our workforce should be able to be adaptable and change jobs and find jobs uh, when necessary. Proactive engagement, this is the city engaging with prospective businesses and existing businesses in the city. Uh, we've been doing this as a city for the last 20 years, and TJ had some good statistics. So in the last 20 years, through TIF districts, the Enterprise Zone, and standalone agreements, the city has leveraged $25 million in public investment into $300 million in private investment, which is a pretty good return on investment. Uh, however, there's always room to kind of update and review our programs to see where we can grow more. A few ways we incent development is through the Enterprise Zone, which provides uh, local and state property tax abatements for certain programs like commercial district enhancement or for the first two programs listed here, high-tech incentive and industrial development incentives, which uh, 
reimburse development costs to businesses that provide living wage jobs in the community. So sector diversification, it kind of, it's the same principle if you're investing, you want a diverse portfolio in case any one sector performs badly, you're not overly affected. Similarly, our labor and economic activity composition, we want to have um, activities in a, in a wide range of sectors. So we've listed a few uh, different sectors here that could build on Champagne's current strengths and education and agriculture. Let's see, and healthcare. Um, so just yesterday, President Biden announced the IFAB, which is the Illinois Fermentation, Agriculture, and Biomanufacturing Hub as a national tech hub. This is one of 31 tech hubs. It, allows uh, locally for, for this tech hub to access over $75 million in, in federal grant funding. It allows them to be on a short list for federal direct investment. There's a consultation for patenting services and for, um, for marketing and branding. Strategies like these help keep our students and innovators within the community rather than going elsewhere where these industries are already established. It helps diversify our economy a little bit more. So this is one example. Another could be with Rivian locating in Bloomington Normal. Maybe there's potential for Champagne to look into EV auto manufacturing. Uh, Hyundai and Amazon locating uh, in the northern part of town are good examples of kind of warehousing and different operations that we could get into. Workforce development, after reviewing uh, programs that the city follows with and with our, with our partners, our, we have a lot of partners that are already in this space, and the city can really amplify those efforts rather than try and develop their, our own and duplicate them. So Champaign County Regional Plan Commission, City of Champaign is a member agency, this group, and our tax base helps fund the county, which ultimately funds these programs. WorkNet is a series of different programs that RPC, Regional Plan Commission, uses to um, upskill workers, so by providing incentives for employers to, uh, to give time, sorry, they reimburse the time employees spent, spend on upskilling and learning new skills to get a promotion to their employers. Um, the Parkland College SWIFT program provides scholarships to, to get certificates in high-demand industries like construction and transportation uh, to help shore up any gaps in labor that we might have locally. The next is the community organizations. You might recognize a lot of these organizations as our blueprint partners. It recognizes kind of the residential well-being quality that's necessary in our community. Some of the, a lot of these are for youth programs, for getting into the workforce or being active um, while they're young. So, but First Followers is, is not youth-oriented. It's targeted at recently uh, incarcerated individuals, helping them get back into the workforce. It's a peer mentorship program that provides tiered stipends for pursuing further education, or for getting a uh, re-entering the workforce, um, 
The Housing Authority of Champaign County Youth Build helps teach youth how to build a house by, by actually doing it and getting a hammer. Um, all these kind of programs, along with Champaign Unit 4 Schools, as mentioned there, for the Summer Youth Employment Program that the city and Unit 4 help manage gives kids a chance to, to work over their summers um, and get employable skills for, for the next phase of their life. Um, I'll hand it off to TJ. All right, so the next goal area, a thriving, growing local business, is, um, focuses specifically on the business, uh, businesses in our community. And this is a, generally a, a new area um, since we started um, back in 2017. The cities provide financial and entrepreneurial support through investments in physical and virtual spaces. The goal, this goal ensures that we continue that to support all local businesses and pay special attention to our historically marginalized groups. So the first topic here, uh, entrepreneurial support. Develop and fund programs that assist the growth of small and emerging businesses, offering resources, mentorships, and a variety of past economic participation. So the city, like I said, has been very busy in this space over the past decade. We've made real strides in consolidating information and resources from across the community um, and making it easier for aspiring businesses to navigate. This includes our work with the Small Business Development Center to amplify their free counseling ability by building the bridge, the, our online incubator. Additionally, the city contributed funds to the Champaign Public Library to create launch and the studio projects to offer physical spaces for businesses to engage. And finally, the city covers the cost of online software that's available to all library patrons that help customers research, um, help patrons research, write business plans, and much more. The next goal is financial assistance. So entrepreneurial assistance, supporting them with, with resources. This is actual financial assistance. Um, reading, incentivize and, and invest in business growth and sustainability to create jobs and reduce barriers faced by business owners from historically marginalized groups. Um, in 2017, we pulled together a local ED professionals to identify gaps in our small business startup space. Out of those discussions, as you well know, came our small business incentive program. And over the years, we leveraged $250,000 in one-time funding into 75 total startup businesses, of which, as of last year, 62 were still in business, and 48% were women, women or minority-owned businesses. The program provided them with the expertise to set up their business correctly. Um, and now that Council's allocated a new pot of funding, our goal is to revamp this program to focus not only on startups, but second-phase businesses looking to move into vacant storefronts, hire new employees, and significantly impact the local economy. Um, another tool for direct financial assistance is Justine Peterson and their Community Investment Fund. And Council, again, has given uh, direction to invest in that fund to match the county and Urbana. We plan to match the county and Urbana's ARPA contributions. Um, and this fund offers lower interest loans to businesses looking for um, capital in their small business. And by utilizing a separate buy-down fund, we can actually reduce those interest rates, especially in the high interest rate environment we now have, which makes it even more difficult for businesses to get going. 
the third one here is um, prosperity for all. Empower and uplift emerging minority-owned and immigrant businesses to actively participate in community growth and advancement. So important to all of our small business activities is assistance to help our minority and immigrant-owned businesses to overcome barriers. We've done this uh, in the past by creating the CDAP program, which ensures those businesses that are given are given a those businesses are given a fair look by anyone contracting or receiving funds from the city and using efforts in the certified. And we plan to use the certified welcoming community program, which our equity and engagement department is working towards to use the best practices from that program to incorporate into our business development. Uh, included in this year's state budget was requested funding for a new welcome initiative for foreign born residents uh, in partnership with the New American Welcome Center and funding for a job training program for minority businesses. Both of those did make it into the state budget. So once funding is were notified and funding is available, then staff would be um, would be asked to work on that as well, which would tie in nicely with this goal area. The next goal area is a high quality built environment. Uh, the city has long viewed its infrastructure improvements as key economic development investments. From Green Street and MCOR to the stormwater projects across the city, these major capital expenses certainly drive an economic return on investment. This goal focuses on ensuring that economic development is always calculated into these major projects and goes further to drive more proactive involvement in the redevelopment of commercial centers and neighborhoods across the city. So overall, these projects can raise the quality of life while also spurring private development that's critical to funding all other city services. So the first uh, goal in this area is uh, strategic infrastructure investment. So prioritizing investment in major capital projects that balance modes of transportation, provide greater economic opportunities, enhance residential, socio, residential socioeconomic equity, and create public gathering spaces. So this goal speaks to the need to create transformative special spaces that enhance the community through high quality design. We've been building infrastructure. Uh, when we build infrastructure, we've always been very good at balancing the functionality with the economic value. And there's no greater example of this than the Boneyard Creek where more than $60 million of funding over 20 years has leveraged more than 750 million or three quarters of a billion dollars of private reinvestment along the creek through Campus Town and Midtown. While Garden Hills is the most recent project, the final phase of the Boneyard Creek and Garden Hills will continue to present opportunities for neighborhood development and commercial opportunities within each of them. Another notable pacemaking project on the horizon is the downtown plaza and the opportunity to expand the heart of downtown and create a welcoming space that brings the community together. The next is revitalize districts and quarters, concentrate efforts to revitalize commercial centers in key areas throughout the city, promoting economic vitality and repositioning these areas for the community's future needs. And you see a list there that is not all encompassing. That's just a list of where we anticipate uh, needs sooner rather than later. Um, of course, this goal speaks to proactively repositioning commercial centers to meet today's demands and the community's future needs. While much of the focus on commercial, 
commercial revitalization has been in the city's core areas, mostly due to funding sources tied to our TIF districts. Other commercial areas in the city need attention. Uh, once in a generation opportunity now exists at Country Fair in the Greater Springfield Avenue quarter. Um, uh, with the property on the market, there becomes another opportunity for forward-thinking, well-planned development that repositions the entire center with spillover benefits to the surrounding neighborhoods. And as we think about revitalizing districts and quarters, we must always be aware of shifting trends around us. A marketplace shopping district is a case in point, and that's why it's on this list. It is important that we not only revitalize areas that have seen decline, but also be aware of how changes in retail and other preferences might impact our strongest sales tax generators. Um, protecting those sales tax generators protects the funding for much of the city's work as sales tax is our largest revenue stream. So with that in mind, um, Marketplace and North Prospect are certainly areas to pay attention to and perhaps become more involved in. The next one, uh, development partnerships strategically utilize city revenues to encourage transformative projects whose benefits extend beyond the project site. So we have always been investing in, we've long invested in single small, well, not small projects, but single property projects. This goal is really talking about the larger sites, the big redevelopment sites that do require more. This goal speaks to the way the city engages and contributes to projects that transform entire districts. It recognizes that these projects require more effort and willingness for public support. In the past, we've had some great partnerships that have changed the city's trajectory. One of those was in 1999 with the partnership between the MTD and the city to build Illinois Terminal. And today, more than 20 years later, we continue to engage with the district to work on expanding that terminal. Uh, while the original yards concept has changed, the terminal expansion is still being planned. And this new partnership has the potential to transform the way people enter the downtown area and move about the community while building new residential and retail to complement the terminal and the entire district. And the last one in this, uh, in the high quality built environment is um, uh, complete neighborhoods. Sorry, I got the title on that one wrong, but complete neighborhoods, developing and strengthen neighborhood commercial centers that provide residents easy access to goods and services they need. Our focus can't always be on the larger commercial centers. Um, there have been very good examples of smaller commercial scale neighborhood commercial uh, that is certainly welcomed by the residents. So this goal speaks to the need to proactively create neighborhood scale development that brings commercial services and needs closer to the residents reducing their dependency on automobiles and raising the quality of life in our neighborhoods. A good example of this is um, a new state grant that we expect to be issued soon that promotes the development of grocery stores in food deserts. So in the past, the city has been successful in this space when it worked with Neiman Foods to provide incentives to encourage a new prototype store that occupied the former Burnham Hospital. I don't think they wanted to necessarily do that, but our incentives made all the difference in that case. And today that store brings fresh food, fresh food to more than 25,000 students in Campus Town, which itself was a food desert in 2008. So looking beyond that to where else in the community can we make an impact? I know we've talked a lot about food deserts in the past. This would be the area, this would be the goal set 
that focuses those types of needs, among others, in neighborhoods. Turn to Dan for a welcoming community. So the fourth vision here is a welcoming community. Again, this recognizes that residential happiness is important in keeping people living here and attracting new residents, the idea that businesses would follow. Oops, sorry. So one way to keep people happy is to make sure they're not overly cost burdened by their housing needs. The Bristol uh, place is one terrific example of this where low-income housing tax credits were used at the beginning of this kind of neighborhood rebuilding to ensure people would have an affordable place to live. Council recently approved phase two of this plan, which allows for affordable senior multifamily uh, units to be built on the northern section of this neighborhood. Of course, housing and renting have changed a lot in the past few years with interest rates rising, and it's important for us to completely understand the local housing dynamics. So if we wanted to partner with our neighborhood services department um, and maybe with the county to study the housing needs and fully understand where our housing gaps are, where the shortages are that are increasing unaffordability locally, um, those types of studies would be a first step in addressing this goal uh, before proposing any further action. The second principle here is historic preservation. It's essentially aiming to retain the aesthetic of Champaign's historic buildings. A great example is the downtown uh, National Historic District. So the Secretary of Interior uh, has designated certain buildings within downtown as available to receive tax credits. Um, if these buildings pursue any maintenance or reconstruction that adheres to the Secretary of Interior's guidelines, they're eligible for those tax credits. It doesn't have any restrictions on what can be built or what can be torn down. It's, it's only an incentive to maintaining these historic structures. And these types of programs would, um, or this principle kind of follows that philosophy of providing carrots to preserving uh, unique buildings around town. The third, aesthetic enhancements. So TJ mentioned a lot of great, great work around town like Garden Hills, the Second Street Basin, Boneyard Creek Improvements, uh, University and downtown streetscape standards. All of these have pretty high landscape maintenance costs. So kind of finding a long-term funding source for maintaining those landscaping features, for maintaining public art uh, and sculptures and, and bringing in new ones, is those, those would all be programs that would fit under, under this vision. The next one is competitive advantage. Um, so there's no denying that Champaign is a place where people want to visit and live. We have a strong name recognition and a strong reputation, and it doesn't hurt that we have a world-class university in our backyard. In many ways, Champaign punches above its weight, um, and much of that competitive advantage comes from our strength through collaboration and our own leadership in the economic development realm. So the first goal in this area is efficient processes, so streamline per, uh, permit review workflows and provide high-quality customer service to facilitate business growth throughout the permitting and entitlement process. Um, this goal, uh, different than others, is very inward facing and looking at ourselves. Uh, we have a strong reputation for being business friendly. 
Uh, while there are certainly areas to improve, the overwhelming conversations we've had with those who have gone through our development process have been positive. However, ensuring our workflows provide high quality customer service is always something we strive for. And so we are currently undertaking um, an audit of those services to understand where we can improve. Uh, we recognize that weighing on government can cost money, and so to maintain our competitive advantage and retain our business-friendly status, we must always be willing to look internally. The second area is collaboration with agency partners. Collaborate with agency partners to advocate for state and federal resources that support regional economic development goals and bring investment to our community. Uh, this goal supports our collaborative efforts to ensure that we speak with one strong voice when it comes to bringing state and federal investments to the community. The city has long believed in speaking with one voice when advocating at these levels. Uh, this collaboration begins with our local agency partners, such as Champaign County Economic Development Corporation, and through efforts like Champaign, the Champaign, County, uh, Champaign Chamber of Commerce's Champaign County First efforts, uh, this group collectively chooses projects that benefit the region and speak with one voice regardless if they're happening in their community to elected officials. And this has helped the city to enjoy terrific working relationships with not only elected officials, but also with state and federal agencies. Good examples of positive outcomes include the Prospect Avenue improvements uh, with Savoy, the I-5774 interchange, and recently the announcement of grade separation at Curtis and Dunlap but always doing so regardless if it benefits us speaking with one voice. The next is world-class university. Uh, work hand-in-hand -hand with the University of Illinois to promote the university as a world-class institution and hub of innovation and learning. Um, maintaining the University of Illinois as a world-class institute is critical to our community, and this goal speaks to maintaining that relationship. One of the strongest collaborations we have is with the university with the university as the research park. Here we've helped them remain competitive by providing financial assistance for their research facilities that build up our workforce and produce new and innovative businesses that we hope are able to be captured in our community if they choose to ever leave the research park. Um, another area of partnership is Willard Airport and our reliance on it to remain competitive from a business attraction standpoint and a convenience to our residents. The city sits on the advisory board for the airport and will have a role in the continuing dialogue on the airport's future. And finally, the Chancellor's Compact. Uh, this is an initiative that the city has taken a leading role in several of the subcommittees that's looking for ways the university can play a more significant role in the everyday life of our residents outside of the university borders. And finally, uh, building on our tourism strengths, working with local attractions, development community, and experienced Champaign-Urbana to enhance regional tourism drivers and explore the development of new attractions to drive new visits to the community. Visitors to our community bring energy and they bring revenue. And, they work, and we work hand in hand with our partners to amplify those opportunities, um, which are key to building on our tourism strengths. As we look around at some of our peer communities, we realize there are key pieces missing from our community that others have, whether that's in that they engage youth, recreation, adults, um, there is room to improve in this area. And it, so it will be important for us to stay ahead of tourism and sports trends, 
um, so that we can take advantage where possible to continue driving outside visitors to our community and in turn drive tax revenue that relieves our local tax burden. Those are our core proposed goal areas and guiding principles, and we would be happy to answer any questions you have. Technical questions. Anybody? Councilmember Shannon. I just, <clears throat> I just wanted to note two things, and I'm sure you probably already know about these. Under um, sector diversification, mm -hmm. you mentioned engineering, but not specifically software development. Were you... Was engineering encompassing software development? Because I know we have a lot of software companies. Yeah, I think I think it likely was and it should. Uh, but I think it's also you know biomedical engineering with Carl Illinois School. Right. There, there's there are multiple. We are a very good engineering school, <laughs> and the ability to attract and retain that talent mm -hmm. is probably all encompassing. But we could certainly strengthen the language to be more specific. And um, the other thing, again, was um, under workforce development, I, I just, um, I thought I would mention the, um, I'm going to get the name wrong, the um, CJA contractor incubator mm -hmm. um, that I assume that will be another um, way, uh, another place we can partner to um, increase workforce development in the community. Definitely. Yeah, we, we will be sure to add that. Councilmember Fulmer. Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> question about uh, that uh, sector diversi diversification. Uh, how how did you uh, determine those those uh, the, the areas that you consider us well positioned for? I wouldn't pretend like that was an all encompassing or ranked list. Okay. Um, I think when we were looking at that and wanted to give you examples tonight in the presentation, it was more about these are the sectors that have historically played a pretty outsized role in our community, but there are others. And you know, there have been other, there have been reports. There was the cluster report that was done in partnership with the university. That's some time ago, could be reevaluated. The state of Illinois. We uh, met with DCO, who's doing their own economic development strategic plan. They threw out some sectors that perhaps we didn't agree with. So there's been lots of discussion about sectors. Um, and so that was not intended to be all-encompassing, but more representative, representational of where we've been kind of recently. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, <laughs> so I, I think I uh, was, I don't know, maybe getting myself caught up in like, thinking about um, maybe more about diversification of like uh, uh, worker skill or, or, or uh, because to me that really yeah. uh, focused on highly educated positions. And so I'm trying to kind of that's a That's a good point. Um, we will we'll take that comment and see what we can do with it. Okay. Um, I think that's it for now. Thanks. Thank you. Councilman Pimfetti. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, I have two questions, and one um, is coming off of um, Councilmember Fulmer's question, because I had a similar um, question in mind about, um, you know, that chart did seem to have some highly intellectual skills when you looked at them, um, but it seemed like you were also looking at you know, doing some need gap analysis of what skills the labor force might need and some of the partners that you were going to be uh, potentially working with might have some ideas of what 
might be needed in terms of workforce development. So um, to that extent, is there a potential, you know, for, you know, adapting that list? Are you thinking about like, you know, there may be some that would require this level of education versus these are some other um, occupations where we could do some apprenticeship type work and how, how, how did you think through that process? Yeah, again, I don't think that list was all encompassing. I think you're right. I think there's probably some additional analysis that's needed. We might think we know what, um, in the, what sectors we want in the community, but matching those sectors up with the available workforce or what we're positioned to retrain into is probably a different question. So there's certainly more information that's needed um, about what sectors we might want to focus on. And that has bio, uh, um, well, um, manufacturing, manufacturing. Uh, is, is top of mind right now because of the IFAB mm -hmm. um, grant or a, a hub. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're positioned today for that. What do we need to do to, to prepare ourselves? So that certainly could be um, direction to figure that out. Right. So the other thing, or the next question I had, I guess, that what was coming into my mind was um, when you were talking about like the grocery store development, mm -hmm. that could be another area in which there was opportunity for workforce development in terms of management of grocery store skills um, and workforce within that sort of an environment as well. Um, and so I, I guess, is there connections between, you know, the presentation, which was very good. It was a very good first time. <laughs> so um, was very linear, right? Yeah. But it seems like there could be overlap among the guiding principles, among the, the visions and everything. So was that the intent? Uh, I think there definitely is, and I don't want to speak for Dan, but as we were going through and we're trying to you know, give you examples in different areas. There were certainly areas where it's like, well, that works here and here. And mm -hmm. so there was a lot of that cross-pollination happening. So where we landed was kind of for illustrative purposes to show you the, the huge umbrella of all the things the city's doing and trying our best to fit them in to give you ideas. But those wouldn't be fixed in stone um, as to the only things we do. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Councilmember Falmer. Yeah, sorry, I just have uh, one more question kind of about um, maybe decision-making or, or how, how we use these as we're making decisions. I could I can foresee a situation where uh, these are maybe uh, in conflict rather in concert with one another. And so, like, for example, a high-quality built environment, I could see us um, uh, uh, having to forego affordable housing in order to support something in that. And so I guess... My, my uh, uh, hope is that we would, uh, you know, give preferential treatment, for example, to affordable housing over um, an additional commercial property or something like that. Um, yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry. I guess. So my question is: so uh, when when there are projects that are perhaps in conflict with. Or, or where it maybe supports one of these or, and not another, like how, how, how do we work through that? I think we would present that to council and as the decision makers, 
council would be responsible would be the final say and which goal in this specific project did we want to choose to support um, there may be conflicts there probably always are uh, between you know maybe a neighborhood doesn't want uh, a piece of commercial property but our plan says that we want to provide it well you would be allowed to weigh the pros and cons of each and make that determination. Uh, Councilmember Williams. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I had a question about, um, I wanted to know on an individual family level, um, have we put anything in place to reach families in, in the, in, within those low median income neighborhoods? Um, specifically talking about, um, um, yeah, in, in those in those areas in those in those neighborhoods, I know we have community organizations that are that are that can help with that. But as it relates to getting one-on-one -on -one information and allowing them to understand what they what they what they can do, or even learning, I know we have things as it relates to um, teaching children um, financial literacy, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, also, children have parents as well. So how do we teach their parents and reach one, each one um, to be able to, um, to be um, economic? This, 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 you, know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I, think, I, I think I do. Um, I think it's one of the, perhaps one of the more challenging things we deal with. Uh, one of the things when we were going through the Small Business Incentive Program and meeting with all these partners and looking around the table at all these agencies and realizing just how much programming there is out there, the real problem is how do you communicate that to the individual family, to the person who has the job, who isn't paying attention, who can't pay, has a lot of other things to pay attention to. We were talking about this in the workforce world as well. Uh, you know, WorkNet uh, came in to meet with us. Um, Dr. Arnold came in to meet with us, and he said we have all of this funding to send people to college to be trained and certified. But the grant prohibits us from marketing this program. So how can, you know, maybe that's an area for the city to help amplify that message by helping WorkNet uh, get to the individual person. It's a tough, we struggle with it all the time, whether it's our enterprise zone programs or helping to promote amazing programs at the library or whatever finding a way to get to the individual and have them recognize how valuable that information could be to them is a real struggle. I don't pretend to say that there is the answer right here in this document in front of us, but it is something that we need to continue to work on in order to make all of these programs effective. I don't know if that answers your question. To a certain degree. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that, yeah it, it answers my question. The reason why I asked, I just wanted to make sure that we, we that we make sure we we're reaching businesses but i want to make sure we i i get it i get we want to make sure we support our local businesses and and, and businesses period that helps helps kind of stimulate our, our economical growth here but as it relates to an individual aspect if if a certain if in certain areas only making so much money, so many thousands of dollars a year, how is that making us a, a city that we can um, we, we call ourselves um um, just, just welcoming city as, as it relates to the economic development. So, just for for all of us to have those opportunities to be able to understand um, what a trust may be, or or understand what um, what I can do as an entrepreneur, um, I think we have to explore other ways and options 
outside of these organizations to really feed into, even, even within the school district. Um, yeah, so uh, okay. other than that, thank you. That's, yeah, I hope you yeah, did answer my question. Thank Thanks. You. Anyone else down here? Councilmember Negas. Yeah, I was just wondering <clears throat> when it comes to revitalizing districts and corridors and uh, the aesthetic enhancements, are, are we, how are we prioritizing those like projects and in terms of like size, scope, and then timeline, what is it, how are we uh, prioritizing this? What kind of list does that look like? Uh, sometimes I would say it's based on projects at hand. Um, it's what makes Country Fair probably rise to the top is you have the, the, the developments for sale, and so there's, a, there's an opportunity right at this moment. Um, some of them uh, would need to be established through other planning work, other studies that, that look at those areas and find out where the needs are and prioritize them. This document doesn't, again, doesn't pretend to, um, to place that priority, but that would be something we would come to council and certainly ask for your input on what is the priority where, with only so much funding, where should the priority be? Okay, thank you. Councilmember Beck. I just have one question. Um, in one of the items that you bullet pointed, you talked about developing a brand for the community. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that, who you were potentially partnering with, what the thoughts were behind that, if there's a process you had in mind, or if that's just a general goal that you had set forward? I think it, is, it has been brought up in the past as a, con, as a, as a goal, uh, so it carries over in that sense. Um, it is just remaining as a goal. It's not purporting to say how, but I do think a brand is important in terms of the way that outsiders view this community, um, and it probably is different than the corporate mark which we use throughout the community. Um, there you go. Uh, so... It, it, I, the, the group felt it was strong enough to, to keep on that list because I do think it's important for the city to project that kind of image outward, but we're not saying at this point this is just establishing as a goal. Uh, certainly more work would need to be done. Follow-up question. Um, so is, there, is this then thinking, I know that we, we set this as a council goal previously to, to talk more about, but some things happened and now we're here, like a pandemic and some other things. So um, we, uh, would this be something that would be specific, are you thinking specific to Champaign, specifically the municipality of Champaign? Well, I wouldn't want to speak for council. I think this, these goals are set out primarily for us. Um, I, I, I suppose there's, multiple ways of looking at that, about how we brand together as partners or individually. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that there's a preference stated here, unless you would like us to include one. Councilmember Gladney. Follow up to the branding. So if my memory serves correct, we were underway to start a branding campaign and then we pulled back on that. We decided to make it, I guess, more I guess, regional or so. But now it's part of the document. So can you, can you talk about the, the, the thinking behind that? I won't pretend to know 
all of the history that went into that, our department wasn't the lead. Um, I would simply say that we felt it was important to, to put in here uh, into this document and recodify into um, a goal moving forward. Dan? I think, too, the uh, attached policy draft um, doesn't have the bullet points that were in the presentation. The bullet points were used for example purposes. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, the community brand is, is not currently as proposed um, in the economic development policy document. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, that's, if specificity is something council wants, that's the feedback we're, we're asking for. The document itself is just the visions and principles without the programs, specific programs attached to it. Sure, thank you. Anyone else? So, um, as I looked at this, I found myself kind of wondering about matrix for making decisions about, it's similar to Councilmember Fulmer's question, of kind of who gets what, right? So if we have two similarly situated businesses that come in and want economic development funding for whatever it is they're doing, do we have some kind of a matrix for decision making other than our gut says this development wins and, and this one doesn't? And I know we've struggled with that over the whole time that I've been on council, um, but I'm not seeing anything in here that helps with that. And so I don't know if this is the right policy to put that in and that's a piece that's missing or if that's kind of a separate policy about how we determine fund. For me, I'm mostly concerned about funding, although I thought that Councilmember Fulmer's question about even competing types of maybe not even asking for funding, but you know, who are we going to prioritize in a particular area was an interesting question. And maybe it's a case by case, which is how we've kind of always done it. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm just kind of wondering where we go with that next step. I think our goal would be to become more programmatic. I mean, we, we have had different types of agreements, and we've talked to you about those before. We've had TIF agreements, which are very programmatic, and we've had kind of one-off development agreements when a good idea comes forward. I think we ultimately want to bring back policy. We want to revamp a number of those programs. And with that would come your scoring matrix. It would, there would be more prescriptive in terms of what are the benefits to this specific project, and it would be more programmatic than one-off agreements, which I think is where you felt council has struggled in the past in making those decisions. So I think ultimately this is giving us the framework to develop new programs, but those new programs will specify in more detail the decision making. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I, <laughs> what I needed yeah. to hear. So thank you. We, and, and I think it's, and now I'm not on questions, I guess, but I, I think it's a challenge, right? Because we want to leave ourselves open for some new idea we can't even imagine and not have it so prescriptive that 
they can't come forward. But at the same time, there's a fairness aspect for people understanding what to expect if they apply. Right. I, I think, you know, you've given direction to come back with a new small business incentive program and revamped other programs. But it was important to step back and take this broader view of everything we're doing and kind of look holistically and put this policy in place in order to give the framework then to step deeper into the program development, if that. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. So we're going to take questions or comments from the audience. I don't know if you all want to get up so you don't have your back to everybody. You're welcome to do that. Okay. Thank you. Um, anyone wishing to uh, comment on the study session, please step forward, state your name and city of residence. I'm going to have you all move, and then nobody wants to talk about the study session. Come on back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were all here for that. Um, all right. Are you coming? You're welcome to come up. You need to come up to the microphone. Come on up to the microphone. You need to state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. I just want to know if audience participation is based solely on the the economic development presentation or do? At this time, yes. Once we're done with the discussion about that, there'll be general audience participation. That's what I want to know. I don't have any other things. Thank you. All right, so council comment on economic development. Anybody? I'm looking, council member Gladney. Yeah, so thank you for the presentation. Um, this is, uh, there's a lot here. Uh, as, as there should be, um, and I think prioritization is going to be important. Um, kind of the whole, I hate the term multitasking, but multitasking these uh, will also be uh, important. Um, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of things I love about Champagne that we ha and a lot of things that we have here, um, but there's also things I think we we don't have or we could do better at. Um, you know, so something I look at, so workforce development, I think, is important. It's also what kind of workforce development. Um, it needs to be nimble. I mean, our, our society um, is changing all the time. Uh, and I'm not saying what we have now isn't, isn't nimble, but we just need to make sure that it's something that um, meets the current demands uh, and also foresees future demands for what is um, wanted and needed for our workforce. Um, I like the idea, so talking about these, these business corridors, for example, or just corridors in general that could be revitalized, I think it's important, at least, at least for me, speaking for myself, that we, you know, let's say we're taking uh, something like Country Fair or um, Bradley and Mattis or areas that are currently like zone commercial. Um, I think it, 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 would, it would behoove us to kind of keep an open mind on you know, should we, should we just revitalize those as what they currently are? Or should we look at maybe doing a bit of rezoning and, and making the mixed use? So, you know, you have, you know, because Country Fair right now is, uh, uh, is an oceanic parking lot. And whatever happens there, I would like to see that <laughs> uh, a little reduced. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe we could put apartments there. Maybe we could put um, housing there as well as businesses. So it's like a, it's like a little, like a little, little mini community almost. Um, so people who 
don't live there, I mean, they can drive in and they can, you know, park or ride their bikes there or walk or whatever. But people, it's also a, a, a place where people can just live uh, and, and then also go shopping there. And maybe there'll be um, uh, retail businesses. Maybe there'll be um, other types of businesses where people go and work at a desk or what have you. Um, I think that's important. Uh, food deserts, we've talked about this at council for, for a long time. I think that's important to um, address. Um, you know, there. I you know when you if you if you go around town, you, you probably have seen there are folks who. I don't know how far they're walking, but they're walking. Uh, you know, for for example, I see people crossing I seventy four on North Prospect with Meyer bags, you know, or Walmart or whatever big box places out there that they're coming from. I mean. That's already a hike if you're crossing 74 uh, going south from there. And who knows how, how far they have to travel. Um, and it's also, to be perfectly honest, um, not the most hospitable environment to, to walk. I mean, it, you're, you're dodging a lot of traffic and big, wide roads. and um, So, yeah, I mean, putting – and it doesn't have to be – You know, I think we are in an era and have been in an era where – um, when we think of places you go to to purchase food, you know, for your home, uh, there are these big megastores. And, and I get that that's the era that we're in, um, and, and those places serve many people well. But I think, you know, when I think of reducing or eliminating food deserts, I think sometimes, you know, we may have to think smaller. Uh, something that it doesn't necessarily skimp on things, but is... is uh, you know, it it's, it's, it's fits into the neighborhood, you know, or, or the area where it may go. Um, and there are types of businesses that I think currently are lacking in Champaign that uh, would, be, would be nice to have. And those are always interesting because, the, you know, we're, we're not in the business of opening up businesses, per se. But we can partner sometimes, as we have done. Uh, you know, with uh, private companies in various capacities, whether it's just incentives or what have you. But, you know, I think one thing I think about um, something like a children's museum, a nice children's museum. I mean, Normal has a a really great one. Um, And I I, I hear people, um, locals, uh, bemoan the fact that, you know, we don't have something like that here. I think that would be a nice thing to have. and as far as the branding is concerned, I mean, I know you mentioned uh, you think that that's important. I, I do, but you also I think you, you mentioned like for, for people outside the community, and I get that, and I and that's why we have you know tourism. That's why we have tourism dollars and 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 entities here that do a good job of promoting um, champagne to, to to folks who who don't live here and say, hey, we have this going on, come here for this. I think it's great and it's needed. But I'll be honest, um, sometimes when you know, I, I get notifications about um, local online message boards that are things like, hey, somebody lives currently in Washington State. They're thinking of moving to Champaign. They're asking just regular folk who live here, um, tell me about Champaign or whatever. Like, why should I move there? Or what do you, what do you all have going on? And look, I know it's the Internet. And I know people get negative a lot on the internet, so I take that into account. But there are, I'm just disheartened by there's so many people who, who say things like, oh, there's nothing to do here. Or, 
this, this, we lack this, or we lack that. And I think some of that, uh, some of that's the internet, right, and how people are on there. But some of that is also um, maybe we do lack certain things. Some of it's also, and I think you, you brought this up in your presentation too, that we just need to do a better job of getting the word out. Um, you know, there, I sometimes I, I read those comments, and I and I, you know, some of them I think. You know, they, they, they strike a nerve, and I'm like, yeah, we, we could do better at this. And other comments, I'm like, no, wait, we do have this, or we have these things happening, and there is a lot to do. But maybe they just simply don't know about it. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, those, are, those are just some of my thoughts. Thank you. Anybody else at this end? Councilmember Williams. Thank you for the presentation. It was very, very thorough. Um, I just want to kind of just give you my thoughts on, 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 on economic development within the, um, the city of Champaign. Um, it is my hope, the reason why I asked the question is my hope that we are able as a city to, to help people rise and, and to be um, you know, economically um, savvy within, in their approach and help them to develop themselves um, by themselves without necessarily governmental um, assistance. And so, I had one idea as it relates to the housing authority. Is there a way that we can, with the housing authority, with those who purchase vouchers, that they're allowed to take a financial, a financial literacy class to help them to understand budgeting, to help them to understand banking, how, how things work as it relates to that? I believe sometimes we get, we, as it relates to certain communities, we tend to lean on governmental assistance instead of using it as um, a crutch to level ourselves up, if that makes any sense. Um, and so defining ways, like I said, for individual families, we talk about students, yes, going to just into the schools, that, that is a great idea, going into um, shelters and things of that nature, just, just the, finding ways to, to really engage individuals in, in this, in this uh, economical development approach. Um, if something else I had, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, there it is. Um, encouraging more ownership in black-owned businesses, entrepreneurship in, in these areas. For example, like um, in my district, in my district, there aren't many businesses there, but there are businesses there that are, that are um, let's say, uh, not a part of um, that area's dynamic. Um, we have we talked about um, we talked about businesses as it relates to um, helping them with uh, minorities and immigrants. I don't think there's necessarily I don't think there's necessarily an issue with immigrants finding ways to um, be economical economically successful here in the United States, period. I honestly think that just as it relates to minorities and blacks in general, black people, black folks, that um, there has been a, um, a struggle or a, a, a constant, a constant um, struggle as it relates to thriving here. And so I wanna make sure as a city, if I can encourage us to find ways to help individuals, now that was my only reason why I asked the question because I didn't see it, and I didn't see it, um, and making sure those those individuals who may be interested in entrepreneurship or even um, can have a, a a fair share 
um, in their area where they, they where they resided. In my area, I, there used to be protoplasm. We used to be there, and they had a plethora of um, businesses there, but it's not there anymore. And but yet we have a lot of churches there, but I don't see where churches bring revenue to areas that that um, in those type of areas. So how do we bring businesses to those areas? to support the economic growth in those, er in, 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 those, in those areas. But yeah, thank you so much for your presentation. I really appreciated it. I, I learned a whole lot about this whole thing as this is my third year into, into the council. I am really learning a, 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 a ton. And so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Anyone at this one? Oh, with Councilmember Aniga. Thank you for the presentation. Um, just your kind of general comments and food for thought on a few of these items that we've been discussing. Um, I really want us all to kind of think about the long-term implications of some of the things that we're interested in. Uh, I feel that things like there are certain sectors that have very, uh, very shiny bells and whistles that come with it, the, uh, you know, the federal investment in certain sectors because of the potential growth and things like that. Um, but what happens when some of these industries become, you know, entrenched in the community, but then they don't end up panning out the way they expect to, right? Um, think about, you know, uh, factories leaving certain areas, and then all of a sudden you have all these people that are, um, without jobs, the economy, you know, takes it, the local economy takes a hit. And I think about the, uh, the precision fermentation. I've been really thinking about this a lot. Uh, I know that there's a lot of different application, but there's a few uh, food-related applications that I think about and how the numbers don't really add up when it comes to the scalability of these businesses. And that's one, uh, one source of information that I found that, you know, could potentially be biased, but nonetheless, it's something to consider. If we bring certain businesses in and we invest in them and we try to not prop them up, but support them and try to get some growth, but ultimately the writing's on the wall and they end up failing. All of a sudden we have all this, you know, we have this uh, business that now uh, doesn't employ people. You know, thinking of Rivian, um, I believe the last time I checked, they're probably operating at a loss, but I don't know for sure, right? So how long does that go before all of a sudden we have people who were building cars and then all of a sudden are no longer employed? So that's really what I kind of want to think about for us as a council and as a city. These industries that are up and coming and they seem like they're the thing that we need to jump on board, you know, will we be doing it too soon and with too much enthusiasm and, and too much long-term investment on something that may eventually just not be good? not going to pan out. Um, just more information, more foresight in some of these things so that we don't end up with, you know, a huge building in the middle of our uh, city that all of a sudden doesn't have anything going on in it, right? Um, and I think that investing in the things that really are needed in, in the city, like the trade skills and the, you know, that type of education that is applicable and sorely needed for so many people, for the youth that, you know, will be needing jobs here in the future. We need people that will be able to build our city back up. And for me, that's just cross-pollination. That's just things that we need to uh, consider. Um, 
we, from, from the aspect of problem solving when it comes to things like the food deserts, but also encouraging entrepreneurial uh, investments, things like having our own um, grocery delivery system within the city for people who can't get to the, to the um, grocery store because of transportation, economics, our elderly population that may not have that type of, you know, those type of resources. I just think that there's an opportunity here to really um, invest in something that will have high impact with not as big of a risk, right? Like I, I see people really shooting high for some of these things that are up and coming. And I think that's great, but I really not losing sight of the things that we truly need in the city is kind of where I want some of this stuff to go. So uh, those are my general comments. I really hope that, you know, we all consider those things as we, uh, as we develop this. Thanks. That's end. I'll start Councilmember Beck. <laughs> you got your finger on the button. Um, so thanks for your presentation. Uh, very well organized. Appreciate how succinct and uh, easy to read the, um, the, the guiding document was. And I, I have a, a couple of things. I'm hoping that when the final policy guide comes to us, maybe we can see a couple additions to it. Um, one is that... You know, there's a little bit of a difference between guiding principles and guiding policy. Uh, policy sort of underpins the principles. Um, and so I, I think that this document gives us a great um, guide that's more it's our principles. And underlying that would be the policy that would be the goals and objectives. Um, and so these are these are great statements and I think align well with what our current um, city vision it has been, uh, you know, although we're in our goal setting process right now, so that that you know to be continued. Um, however, I think that many of these will still hold true. Um, so I think that to further flesh out this document, I think what some of the rub that was that maybe people were feeling about not knowing exactly how decisions were going to be made is that. There, there isn't the underpinning policy for these principles necessarily presented this evening, which would also then go into the, um, you know, it kind of goes the hierarchy is principle, policy, standards, procedures, guidelines. Guidelines being the most, you know, intricate parts of the decision-making of, of your principles. Um, and so if we can maybe come up with some policies about how, what the goals are within these and how then we will, those there what the standards were will be for dis, deciding about the um, projects. I think that could be helpful. Um, so I know that that's a, a whole possibly new undertaking, perhaps even larger in scope than you might be able to complete prior to this coming back to council. So I um, I just want to say that I recognize that it might not be a fully fleshed out idea at this point in time. And this, this, is, this is a lovely document and I think provides us with the principles that you know, help us to have a vision about our community. But being able to then say how we're going to choose the programs that are going to get us to these principles, I think is the, the, little, the little piece that we're, we need in here. Um, so the, the other thing that I want to just point out 
too, is that I think a lot of the discussion tonight has really been about um, the Alice uh, demographic that lives within our community, which is, for those that are not familiar with that, the term Alice, uh, it's an acronym for um, asset limited income constrained while employed. So what we used to call the working poor, we now call Alice. They're folks that live within the gap from folks that, that, that don't have access to make a little bit too much money to have um, uh, additional services provided for them, uh, like additional child care uh, subsidies, um, food assistance, things like that, food stamps. Uh, but they're still not meeting a living wage in our community. So I think that when we're looking at um, building a welcome community, looking at our high-quality built environment across the board and all of these, um, building a resilient economy. In each one of these, I think that that demographic touches. Um, and that is a very large population in our community. And by, I think, calling that particular um, piece of the of our, our community demographic out in these guiding principles, I think we can be more focused on providing um, a more complete idea of what we want for development in our community. So when we won't lose sight of making sure that we have a robust, uh, affordable housing stock. We won't lose sight of the fact that we need to make sure that we are attending to what the workforce needs are, which are things like child care, affordable child care. You cannot have a workforce without affordable child care. You, know, you cannot have a workforce without affordable transportation. You cannot have a workforce without um, scalability of uh, educational opportunity. So I think that there's, there's a lot... Um, that we will that we will be able to you know do with that lens in our community. So that's one thing I wanted to say. And then the last thing I want to just touch on very briefly is, and I want to recognize that we're not talking tonight about um, specific projects. We're talking about policy. So we touched on some spe specific projects in your policy uh, 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 presentation tonight as examples. Um, one of them that you touched on was the developing a brand. And so I just, that is one right there that I really just want to say that I really think that needs to be in our community for Champaign. And I know that we'll talk more about that as uh, a council later, but I just think that that is an important thing that we need to do for our community of Champaign, the city of Champaign. So there we go. Thank you. Councilmember Fulmer. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, <clears throat> yeah, thanks so much for the, the presentation. Um, it's uh, nice to, to hear about these things. And um, really, I'm just going to kind of respond to some of my colleagues here. Um, I, I too, um, perhaps hope to maybe see um, perhaps specifically called out black-owned, immigrant-owned businesses um, as uh, needing making sure we're supporting uh, those businesses specifically. Um, to uh, Councilmember Gladney's point, um, I, I, I'm wondering if in the kind of uh, welcoming community, um, also if, if 
also including something like affordable places to be, to just be, to, to, to live in. Um, you know, I, I agree as someone who has three small children, finding places to, to go is sometimes challenging. I, you know, I think we have our, our, our places and things that we do, but um, I do think that um, stressing family entertainment uh, could, could perhaps be useful. Um, I, I also think uh, Councilmember Iniguez's point about kind of uh, protecting ourselves against loss of employment due to over-diversification. Um, I, I think it's an interesting idea of like how, how we thread that needle. I think it's a, a very complex um, uh, and difficult kind of problem to, to address. But I, I do think um, being conscious of, of how we're diversifying is, is important. And obviously, it's kind of in the name of diversification, right, um, is that we don't uh, put all our eggs in one basket. Um, but I, I think uh, to my earlier question, uh, thinking about skill specifically, skilled diversification is important. Um, and uh, finally, um, I, I agree with uh, Councilmember Beck's point about um, ensuring that all of the folks who are often forgotten about in this group um, do uh, do range um, and, and are um, an, a very critical and important part of each of these uh, guiding principles. So, um, so I, I hope that we can somehow uh, consider that and, and include those in these guiding principles. Otherwise, uh, thank you so much. Um, I think this is uh, excellent. So, thanks, Councilmember Shannon. I'm sorry. I have I have so many comments. <laughs> um, so I want to say thank you very much for the thought that went into this. I particularly, I think it's really important that um, a lot of this is, is already being done. And I appreciate your thoughtfulness in saying, let's actually, let's get these out in the open so everyone knows how we're, how we're already doing things. Um, I really, really appreciate that. Um, so I... I like the idea. Um, I'm very concerned about workforce development, and I love the way that you're saying that this isn't this isn't really the city's job. We partner with people who are already doing this really, really well. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to create um, a whole new department for something that we're not good at, because we have partners that do that very, very well. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, I. I really liked uh, Councilmember Gladney's comment um, about mini communities. Um, about and and I've lived in neighborhoods like that in my life, and um, it's amazing. Not only it's really nice not to have to drive places, but it's amazing how good it is for your mental health when you know your needs are being met in the neighborhood, you tend to see the same people every day as you go to the store, as you go to the library, um, as you go about your daily life. It, you form connections with people in a way that you never do if you are getting in your car and driving three miles to the grocery store, the sea of parking. <laughs> you, you know, you're very isolated that way. And I think it's really important for us to think about, I mean, that's one, that's a welcoming community where we know our neighbors. 
where we get a chance to actually interact with people in human-sized spaces. Um, so, and, and again, I want to emphasize uh, Councilmember Fulmer's point of affordable places to be. Um, where we don't have to spend money, where we can just, you know, hang out in, in parks that are safe or um, things like farmer's markets or, or other things like that, where we can hang out and we can people watch um, and we can interact with other people. And, and that's a really critical part of making Champaign a, a more livable place. Um, uh, let's see. So... Also, Councilmember Williams, when he talked about some of the businesses in our neighborhoods not necessarily being owned by the people who live in the neighborhoods. Um, I, I would love to see, this might be getting a little bit too in the weeds, this is more, <laughs> um, maybe not really in your economic development, but I would love to see like some live work units, you know, where you're going to have um, a little storefront with an apartment upstairs. I mean, it's a very traditional um, form of development and, and something that has worked well um, for, honestly, for thousands of years, pretty much ever since people started building cities, they have lived above their shops. And that um, it's critical to have our business owners like actually be a part of the community. That's, um, that's a really important thing, I think. Um, let's see, what else did I have? Um, because uh, Councilmember Kyles is not here I just want to say, I just want to call out um, CDAP and his longtime advocacy for that. I very much appreciate that you include that, that you specifically talk about um, minority-owned businesses, immigrant-owned businesses. Um, you know, that I, I appreciate the fact that you call that out, that you call out our current efforts and, and plan to expand on those. And the only other thing I had is I, I would love to see, if possible, I would love to see... Um, some specific wording about environmental sustainability. I love that we talk about financial sustainability. I think those two things go hand in hand. Um, and, and in some cases, environmental sustainability, if we do things like native plants um, and um, uh, permaculture landscaping can actually end up saving us money in the long term as it's lower maintenance and we can avoid um, spraying lots of pesticides which aren't good for um, our community members anyway. So thank you. I really appreciate all the thought and effort that you've put into this. I care deeply. I, I really feel like when we invest in economic development, that's how we that's how we make the money that funds all the other programs in this community. And so um, even where we're not specifically calling out um, all income levels, the fact is that, um, as you said, sales tax are our main revenue stream. Um, and if we aren't developing, if we don't have centers that are generating large amounts of sales tax, we will not be able to afford things like our blueprint. So I really, I, I love how you've thought that out and are, um, and are being very intentional about how we're going to move forward with this. Councilmember Panfetti. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, I'll keep my comments brief because a lot of good um, thoughts this evening, um, which I agree with. I'm just going to point out a, a few things. Um, I agree with Councilwoman Beck. Um, I, I do think that you know, having an overarching policy 
um, statement or some policy statements with each. I think that's what I was missing as I was um, reading through this as well. Um, but I think you did a nice job of kind of building out almost your strategic plan for um, policy development. It read very smoothly and very thoroughly. So um, that's a great testament to the work partnerships you have in, in your department. So. Um, I, I did appreciate that. Um, for me, it, you know, it, it's really about um, decision making and the priorities that we would have to um, be making um, because there's a lot here and a lot that's important. So being able to understand how that would be done um, both internally in your department and for us up here and that all comes along with what the policies might be and how we may look at that. Um, I think, you know, um, I, I did like the idea of affordable places to go and, you know, affordable places to be. Um, it, you know, that, that, was, that was a really um, good idea. Um, in terms of the over-diversification, to me what I was thinking about was accountability. You know, as we start, you know, in, in so many different areas or, you know, in, in any, any one area of, um, what we talked about this evening, how, how do we hold ourselves accountable to know that we are really meeting the needs of our community and really meeting the needs of our people, whether it's at the individual level, whether it's at the small business, how are we looking to say, yeah, this is, this is meeting the mark. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, a high quality built environment or a welcoming community, you know, where are we going at? have to make a change if, if we're not doing what we think it should be doing. Again, that might be part of the decision-making process or what kind of matrix do we use to say, are we being successful? Um, I love the statistics that you come with when you say it's $25 million worth of investment, but look, it's $300 million that we got back, you know, in terms of uh, revenue. Um, and what we were building. Um, workforce development is key for me. Um, uh, again, to um, Council Member Beck's point, you know, looking at the right audiences for the right types of, you know, where where are we focusing this might help us be able to make some of our our decision making. But I was also um, thinking about we have so many different groups. We have you know high schoolers that may be looking for jobs that are also competing with heads of households because, you know, right now, you know, our economy is at such a way that some of them may be looking for second jobs. So they may be competing for that same same job uh, for an after hours position that a high schooler is just looking to, you know, get their first job, you know. And so how are we balancing out some sort of that? So, uh, you know, looking at um, opportunities to help build up that head of household, their skills, so they aren't competing with somebody that is looking for just something to make some weekend money instead of I'm trying to put food on the table for my family. Um, so a, a, a lot of other really good things, um, the revitalization of districts and corridor, corridors and the aesthetic enhancements were things that I also really liked along with a, uh, the food deserts and grocery stores, of course, are things that were key for me. So I would love to see that um, carry some weight as well. But um, really, there's a lot of good work here. And I thank you for um, the efforts that you put in. Anyone else? 
Okay, so our poll is to direct staff to incorporate council feedback into the draft um, and adopt, um, bring it back to adopt as a council policy. Council Member Anigas. Yes. 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 And yes, you have direction. Thank you. It is now time in our meeting for general audience participation on any topic. Um, you may step forward, state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. Good evening, Council. My name is Marion Harrington, and I reside in uh, 1204 Christmas Drive in Champaign. And I would like this letter read into the Council's minutes. The subject of this letter is... Uh, Hope Village Plan Unit Development Adjoining Carver Park Subdivision Residents, Citizens, Concerned, and Recommendations. The purpose of this letter is to make known our position in the form of concerns and proposals on behalf of the residents and citizens of the subdivisions of Carver Park, Christmas Attics, Dr. Ellis, and others in the communities and elsewhere in opposition to the development of Hope Village. Although construction of phase one of this development is underway, it is our fervent desire that it be stopped and not enter phase two or final phase for reasons or concerns outlined herein. Concerns, traffic and access, drainage, sanitary and flooding, detention pond, initial development of 30 tiny homes and safety. Recommendations and proposals. Traffic. We strongly suggest and propose that access be made to and from Federal Drive with no traffic coming through Park, Carver Park subdivision. Drainage, sanitary and flooding. We strongly suggest that both the city of Champaign and the city of Urbana work together to make certain that drainage issues are corrected and guaranteed that there will be no impact on the Carver Park subdivision because of this development. Detention pond. We understand detention ponds are being used now in large developments, but do 30 tiny homes meet this, these criteria? If the detention pond must stay, and given the proximity of Carver Park subdivision, we strongly suggest high security fencing be made around it. Initial development of 30 tiny homes. We propose that no future development be made in this area, especially without consideration of the rights and concerns of surrounding neighborhoods. Safety. We respectfully and strongly ask that you adhere to our suggestions for no access through Carver Park subdivision. Correct the drainage issues, fence the detention pond, and make no further de development plans in this area for safety and well-being of the residents in this subdivision and surrounding neighborhoods. In summary, Carver Park subdivision, Carver, Carver Park subdivision is the first African-American subdivision built in Champaign-Urbana. Some of the residents currently living here grew up in this subdivision from babes to adulthood. We are proud of the legacy that brought this neighborhood to fruitation and wish to see it honored and preserved. The streets in this subdivision are in dire need of repair. 
The city of Champaign has been made aware of this of the conditions of Dory Miller Drive, and their officials have said these this street will be reconstructed. We are holding them to this promise. And we also requesting that the cities of Champaign and Urbana conduct an environmental an environmental impact study relative to the institutional zoning. Residents feel blindsided by this development because it was dumped on us without proper notification and communication. We ask that you please let this lesson, we, we ask that you please let this be a lesson moving forward that communication and proper notification is essential in having a good relationship with the community. That was not done here. This site selection process did not allow input from the neighbor, neighboring residents or community stakeholders. With that said, we request that any significant changes that will, be, that will impact surrounding neighborhoods and this community be presented with proper notification to both property owners and residents in the proximity to the project. This includes notification regarding water shutoffs and any other utilities that impact surrounding neighborhoods. In closing, let it be known that this letter does not suggest that we are conceding to this development. We do not want it at this location. Further, as final plans is unveiled, we reserve the right to bring any further issues that may not be resolved once the application has been submitted. And because of this direction made to you by order of City of Urbana Ordinance number 2023-07-023 to hold this meeting for the public to which is being done so recommendations will be taken care of. This letter is respectfully submitted on behalf of the residents of Carver Park Martin Luther King, Christmas Addicts, and Dr. Ellis subdivisions with concerns and oppositions to development of Hope Village. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to leave a copy of the letter with the clerk, you can do so. Um, you don't have to. I'm just offering that if you wish to do it. Have you also provided a copy to the city of Urbana? Thank you. Please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. I'll do the best I can. I have to do this on Monday nights. My name is Sharice Hersey. I live in Urbana, the city of Urbana. I am um, a resident of Dr. Ellis subdivision. I'm also alderman of Ward 3 in Urbana. And I stand in support of um, Carver Park even though Carver Park is not in my city, Carver Park is in my community. With the support, um, I support the concept of Hope Village, but I abhor the processes that they have used and have been used by Carl and others. And regarding the community involvement and input in giving information regarding the Hope Village community. Interaction with the community has been with an attitude of entitlement, not with, oh, we want to help everybody. It's actually been more or less, this is what we're going to do, and this is what you have to deal with. I dare say regarding the access and entrance to regarding Hope Village, it's been basically almost plantation-esque. 
I, uh, I had a meeting with Marty Smith. I had a meeting with uh, him and Claudia Linhoff in March. And not once during that meeting did they ever mention that the access to Hope Village would go through Carver Park, not once. And so I feel that um, they've been a bit, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of a word, <laughs> misleading. Um, oh, I had a whole list of them here a minute ago. The main word I'm thinking about, I think, is egregious, disgraceful, clandestine uh, in how they have presented this whole concept to our, our neighborhood. Um, and I stated in that meeting that there was a general distrust of the black community regarding Carl in particular, University of Illinois as well. I did not even know University of Illinois was really involved in this, but Carl is taking the lead. And that is, uh, and I stated even how I would, if I were them, go through trying to get trust between the community and the hospital, but they chose not to do that. Um, the use of federal drive right now has been, uh, Marty Smith made it plain in a meeting October 5th, that is being used only for construction, that he, they have no intention of, they still have their plans going through Carver Park, on uh, Carver Drive in, in, in particularly. There haven't been any kind of traffic um, studies. I don't know how the city of Champaign is allowing a developer to, that's building in Urbana to encroach upon a subdivision in Champaign by, and there not being anything done where this PUD will be going through a Champagne subdivision on a Champagne street. How do we allow that? And there's no IGA, there's no uh, memo of understanding between that city and that particular entity uh, about how that's gonna go. There's no traffic studies. There are no environmental uh, anything saying how this will affect that community environmentally, the gas fumes, whatever, you, however you wanna put it. There's no concern at all for the residents of Carver Park. It is all about convenience and what they were even saying in this meeting that it would take three more minutes for an emergency vehicle if they had to go around to Federal Drive than if they could just go right up Carver Drive. And that is not a reason to encroach upon a subdivision without any, um, anything other than we can do it. Um, so I, I, I noticed in your presentation that you were talking about historical preservation. Well, Carver Drive and Carver Park was built for the Tuskegee Airmen that were not allowed to live on Chanute. I don't think you can get much more historical than that. And it was built and financed by African Americans. And it was for African Americans because African Americans were not allowed to actually buy housing uh, south of University Avenue. So I would like for you to think about that. And I would like you to think about who is really in charge. Is it you or is it Carl? Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address council? You've earned the right to make us wait. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
out on a setup here. You're okay. Terry, can you make sure that the microphone in front of you is on, please? Thank you. I don't think your mic's on. Is it on now? Yes. I see Why don't you pull it a little closer to you? Give us your name and city of residence. Yeah, and all that stuff. I didn't forget. It's been so long. (laughs) Are condolences in order? Uh, you know, I knew Linda well. My name is Terry Townsend. Uh, I'm a former uh, vice chairman of the Housing Authority of Champaign County. I wear many hats, but tonight that's one I'm giving. I, too, stand with the, the residents of Carver Park. Building tiny houses is one solution to a lack of affordable housing and homelessness. It should be part of a citywide strategy, which you don't have. Five factors will drive future homelessness. Increased migration, increased rents, increased evictions, increased real estate development, and the Housing Authority's Moving to Work program. To address these problems effectively will require more money, much more money. Tiny home villages have two things in common, or tiny houses. They are not developed, in close proximity to resident communities. And they work with shareholders and stakeholders in identifying and addressing issues, yet neighboring residents of Carver Park and the city of Champaign are excluded from the governing board of Hope Village, Inc. Initially, they wouldn't even hire African-American construction workers. The location of Hope Village is an Urbana issue. I have three requests for this body. Respectfully, the city of Champaign should pass a resolution advising the founders of Hope Village that all traffic entering or exiting from Hope Village should do so from 1799 Federal Drive Urbana. It's the legal address of Hope Village. Traffic in and around Hope Village will significantly increase because of four factors Uh, Namely, traffic generated by Hope Village, existing George Washington Carver uh, subdivision traffic, traffic generated by a new fire station on Bradley Avenue and Goodwin, traffic generated by expected expected huge apartment complex between Bradley and Lincoln and Bradley and Goodwin Streets. Also, it might be to your benefit to review past traffic control orders as I have. You may learn why many cars in the uh, Carver subdivision are parking on top of each other. The police don't enforce the law because they well know that they have nowhere to go. An advisory resolution can be influential in uh, getting some things done. In 1992, the Housing Authority Board passed my resolution to tear down Manson Square. 
I promised also to use the housing authority's subpoena power. I did promise to subpoena council members. Today, Mansion Square is the name of Taylor Thomas Holmes. You can pass a resolution advising the city of Urbana what you think about Hope Village. Second, I, rec I request that the unspent $526,000, uh, I think it's $620 from your own gun violence reduction plan be reallocated to the George Washington Carpenter subdivision to address streets and infrastructure issues. Third, in requests, I request you immediately fix two streets in the, in the Carver subdivision, Dory Miller and Tiny Court. Now, those two streets are really important. Dory Miller was killed at Pearl Harbor. He was awarded the Navy Cross. Um, Dory Miller, that street is deplorable. It cannot be patched. Uh, this is not how we should treat a national war hero, especially now. Mrs. Marietta Busey Tawney sold her land to make George Washington Carver subdivision a reality. African-American leaders regarded her, rewarded her by naming a street for her. Tiny Court is a sunken street that leads to flooding in Carver subdivision and the Mount Olive uh, Church. I would request again that you fix these streets now or remove their names and rename those streets. I have about 16 seconds left. If you are going to partner with Urbana, I would hope, or the University of Illinois, and there's all these other people, I hope you would ask them, ask them what they plan to do with the second part of Hope Village that they're not talking about. Right now they're talking about 30 homes, but in all their documents, it's initially, initially, you put 60 homes behind Carver, Christmas, Birch, Love Corner. You got to think that's going to be a new, new infrastructure next to an old infrastructure that was established around 1950. I wish you would take a look at this. Thank you. Did Thank you. Miss, did y'all miss me? What? Did you miss me? I did miss you oh, always. I, I, I got to come back. I'll be back next year. <laughs> How you doing? Anyone else wish to come forward? Please come forward. State your name and city of residence. My name is Joseph Wilson. I reside at 303 Holtz Drive, Champaign, Illinois, Martin Luther King Subdivision. Um, I'm just here to say that uh, our neighborhood is in support of what Carver, uh, Carver subdivision residents are looking for in this area. I'm a, also a member of Monolith Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, I'm aware of the flooding issues that go on there. Um, and uh, I know some residents in that area. As a matter of fact, I have some relatives in that area that have dealt with some problems at their homes with mold and those types of things because of the flooding that goes on in that area. Um, I also want to say that um, I have driven through that area a lot and I have seen a lot of children playing there, playing in the streets. Um, there's no 
real area for them to really play in. The streets are narrow, um, parking on both sides of the streets. I've driven through there, and people's pets are, are running through the cross streets and stuff like that. So it kind of concerns me when you talk about emergency vehicles that are going to be coming through a neighborhood where children are playing. Um, and 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 with especially with the congestion in the area already, I think it's a very dangerous thing. Um, so I just wanted to show my just uh, say that I'm in support of this. Our neighborhood is in support. Um, this community is on this north end is in support of this thing. Um, and um, like I said, we stand. I stand with them, and uh, hopefully coming up with some other idea of how to access this place. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Anyone else? Last call. I was just going to come. Eldress Melinda Carr, and I'm fresh off of the highway from Ohio, and I wasn't going to really come, but I'm here, and I'm so glad that I came. Good afternoon or good evening to all of you, um, and I am support in support of all that's been said. I'm so glad I was able to come. I'm so proud of my elder person, Therese Hersey in Urbana, for her words and her courage, and Terry Townsend, who's been on this Grow for a long time for coming out. I'm going to ask that you speak into the mic because otherwise our people at home don't know what you're saying. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm so proud of Terry Townsend, who's been on this journey for a long time. For people like me, baby boomer, because we have work to do. I went to Ohio to hear a message for me to keep on fighting because people get tired. Because when our leaders sometimes don't listen, it hurts the people who've been on this journey for a long time. And I know you all are working hard, trying to do the best you can do. Garden Hills is an example of um, improvements to our city of Champaign and the Hope Village, of course. And I w I've been involved in this from beginning June 20th. And we've said, of course, we're not against housing the homeless. There'd be something wrong with us. <laughs> It's the location. It's been said best by our two that spoke. I'm not going to reiterate, but I've seen a lot of things. There will be other updates um, that needs, need to be shared because of things that I've seen and things that have not been done equitably in this process that should be reviewed by you know, both councils, councils and um, whatever entities that reviews processes related to the neighborhoods and the P 
people in the neighborhoods and how their rights are regarded. Because the people, whether you partner with entities, University of Illinois, Carl, any of those entities, the rights of the people should be taken in consideration to make sure they're not violated and that they, the existing subdivisions and neighborhoods and the people within those neighborhoods are paid attention to. And nothing is done for the people who have worked so hard and even the generations that are in those homes, like the Dr. Ellis and the Carver Park, their families, um, generations who are living there from their families, you know, their parents who worked hard and, you know, kept those homes for them. So we're asking that you please, the historic preservation, not just um, reading about it, but we want it to be preserved for future generations, that the money and investments are considered for those who are still living. How can we better look at the, the homeless and the housing that is needed without violating the rights of the ones who still live in those subdivisions? There were 17 other locations that were not um, made public during the time. So the, neighborhood, the neighborhoods didn't have access to the information, nor did the council people. And our, our alder, alder person, Cherise Hersey, was only one person, so of course she was outvoted. So it's just the, the things that have been done and the funding, and so just things that we need to look at. Um, thank you for um, listening on this evening and um, ask that you take into consideration the things that have been, been um, said on tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Seeing none, council comment? Anybody? Uh, Councilmember Williams. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I just wanted to say thank you to those, those um, constituents of Carver Park for coming out and expressing your concerns. Uh, we had, I went to a, um, a meeting a while back talking about what was going on, and I, just to, to hear the, the lack of transparency as it relates to um, the communication as it relates to what was going on in that area. I know it's in Urbana, and so a lot of the Champagne constituents did not get that information about what was actually being said or what was going on. Um, I, re I, I, um, so I, su I support them in their efforts. I really do, um, and I, and I'm, and I, not to get emotional, but I really am. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it sucks because, for lack of a better word, these areas are black areas. African American communities communities are overlooked for the most part, and it's like, why are we doing this? Like these these are historical places, and so I hope this council we've come a way to come together and to advise maybe to advise Urbana to or find a way to we can fix this situation for them. Like they said, the infrastructure of the roads are bad. I've, I've driven through there; they're terrible. They're terrible, and I believe there's something. I believe we're in the process of fixing that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and I, I believe um, is he, he's not here today, but um, I just wanted to say um, I fully support the idea of advising Urbana to make whatever changes they need to make. 
um, if that be the case. Um, like again, I, I'm sorry for, the, for what is happening and I am in full support of that area. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, anyone else? Deputy City Manager. Um, I just want to, to remind council and the listening audience that um, next Tuesday, October 31st is a fifth Tuesday. Um, so there won't be any council meetings. Um, the next council meeting would be on Tuesday, November 7th. All right. Madam Mayor, I move we adjourn. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries.